we're picking up. I'm thankful that I was there just for a little less of the month. Yeah, we are. Okay, let's go to the Lord and then we'll, uh, we'll see what Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter, oh, one more commercial. Next week, <laughs> next week, Velta um, and I, Art, Merritt, and Danelle have a prior commitment in Anderson. Max and Sarah are getting married and we're going to miss next Sunday. But Mike's in charge, and whatever he do, do will be good. <laughs> he said he was giving everybody the Sunday off. <laughs> so we'll we'll look forward. I'll have that breakfast. I've asked, I've got a spy too out, Mike. So uh, we'll 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 catch catch up on it. So anyway, we'll go from there. All right, let's go, Lord. Father, we thank you for everything. We thank you for being with us, and we thank you for that a long time ago you moved in the hearts of holy men to right, and they did, and we have it, and we can hold it in our hands today. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for this opportunity of working with us. We call this church, and we ask that you just bless us. We thank you for this class, their love for you and their love for one another, and we ask that you bless Be with these that have needs. Be with Boyd in particular tomorrow as he uh, goes behind the veil and bless him and bless Barbara and their family and, and everybody that attends them. And Father, we be careful in your praise. We thank you for blessings and we thank you for praises this morning. And we trust you to come minister to us now. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Okay. Um, I know I'm a broken record sometimes, but <clears throat> everything we know about the Christian life is in this book. This is the only book that's important. A lot of good men have written a lot of good things about this book, but when it comes back down to it, it's what's in the pages of our Bible that really count. And we're going to see today that through time, through time, and even today, as Tim pointed out, this book is true. And if you want to argue with something, you can argue with whoever you want to, but you can't argue with what God said. And this is it. So, without further ado, turn to the ninth chapter of Joshua. Last week... In chapter 8, we had the defeated Ai. And after the defeated Ai, in verse 34 of chapter 8, and then afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curse, according that that was written in the book of the law. And... Art took us back to Deuteronomy 27 28, which is the second giving of the law, Deuteronomy is. And Moses said, do this. So Joshua, at this particular time and place, did just that. Verse 35, there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded which Joshua did not read before the assembly of Israel with the women, the little ones, 
the strangers who lived among them. Several times in Scripture, God told Moses, write it down. Write it down. And I've printed out here in the conservation of time a couple of things. In Exodus 17, on the sheet that I gave you, uh, so Moses overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, Write this in a book, a memorial, and recite it to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of the Amalekites from under heaven. Write it down in a book, and then recite it to Joshua, that he'll know. Now this is a little side note. This is not part of your lesson, but the Amalekites. Who were they? Genesis chapter 37 tells us they were Esau's son. Esau and Jacob were brothers. So this is cousins fighting cousins. A long time removed. Okay. Exodus 24, I've written here. Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and the ordinances, and all the people answered with one voice. All the words which the Lord has spoken we will do. Verse 4. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Then he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain with twelve pillars for the twelve tribes. He sent young men from the sons of Israel and they took burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls and peace offerings to the Lord. Moses took half the blood and put it on the basin and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the covenant and read it and hearing of the people and says, and they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So the blessings and the curses in the valley last week because Moses told them to do it and Joshua did it because that's what he was, that's what he was doing, following the instructions of the Lord. So we pick up in chapter 9 this morning. Now it came about when the kings were beyond Jordan and the hill country and the lowland and were on the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard of it. And they gathered themselves together with one accord to fight with Joshua <coughs> and Israel. Just like we've talked about in Mark, these bookends. <laughs> Joshua just put this in there. These are these seven tribes, seven tribes of people that God says you're going to have to deal with when you cross into Jordan. We'll say a little bit more about that in a minute. Verse 3. When the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they also acted craftily and set out as envoys and took worn out sacks on their donkeys and wineskin worn out and torn 
and mended and worn out and patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes on themselves and they had bread in their provisions. It was dry and it was crumbling. My word in verse 4 is craftily. What have you got for that particular thing in your text? Wildly. 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 Anybody got anything different? About bread? No, about verse 4. They acted out craftily. Uh oh. This version says cunning. Okay. Ruse. Anybody got ruse? Okay. I didn't know what ruse meant. So I looked it up. An action intended to mislead, deceive, or trick. Somebody said trick uh, in what you have. So they acted craftily. So these people came to them from, from Gibeon and they, they had played the part. They had planned ahead. They looked old and wore out and, uh, and poor. And they said in verse 6, and this is very important, they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgad and said to him, to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country. And now therefore make a covenant with us have come from a far country. Now make a covenant with us. We don't use that word covenant too much anymore. Our Bible is divided into two parts. The Old Testament or covenant and the New Testament and covenant. When you go to the attorney and get your uh, living will done, and that kind of thing. And he says, well, what about your will? And it is a what? A last will and testament. It's a covenant. It says what you want to do in that situation. <clears throat> there were times in our past that, that we did things on a handshake. Our grandfathers and our fathers probably did things on a handshake. This spring, I sold my camper. And the guy... Uh, when he came, he brought me a check, and we shook hands. I handed him the title, <laughs> and he said, this is good enough for me. I said, well, I'm married to a lawyer. You've got to sign this bill of sale. <laughs> but he was happy. He was happy on a handshake. Uh, he had the camper. He had the title. I had his check, and he was happy to let it go with that. Covenant in the Old Testament meant a lot of things and it really took on great significance. And some of the great, great things we remember was the covenant that David had with Jonathan. David and Jonathan had a covenant. They loved each other like brothers. And he says, be with me and take care of me. And he did. And Jonathan was killed in battle and years later, David got to thinking, he says, are any of, of, of uh, Jonathan's people still around? And he asked a servant, and he says, yeah, there's one young man, he's crippled. I can't pronounce his name, but it goes something like Meshivosheth. Meshivosheth. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and because of that covenant, 
He took care of him. He brought him in. He took care of him. And it was very important, this covenant that they had. So these people in Gideon, they were smart. They had seen what they did to Ai. What had they done? They wiped it out. Hung the king. Buried him at the, at the bottom of the hill. Piled with rocks. What had they done to Jericho? The same thing. They'd done all these things. They remembered what happened when they went across the Red Sea. And so these people says, you know, God's with these folks. We need to do something to save our own hide. And so they picked up and followed this ruse, this trickery, this craftiness, whatever you said, and they went to them as, <clears throat> as men that were just... Uh, just poor. And <clears throat> verse 7. And the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you are living within our land. Now, how then shall we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you? And where do you come from? They said, Your servants again have come from a very far country. Because of the fame of your God, we have heard the report of him. And all you did in Egypt, and all that you did of the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond Jordan, uh, and these <coughs> other fellows, part of verse 10. So our elders and all our inhabitants of our country spoke to us, Take provisions in your hand for a journey. Go meet them and say to them, We are your servants now. Make a covenant with us. Verse 12. This was our bread was warm when we took it out for our provisions from our home. We left to come and now it's old, dry, and crumbly. These wineskins were filled with new and, and behold, they're torn and because our clothes and our sandals are worn because of them, it's been a very large journey. Verse 14. So some of the men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask counsel of the Lord. Now, my commentary, one commentary that I looked at says that there was some suspicion on the part of Israel who these people were. But they had a convincing case. They had a convincing case. But it's also very convincing or convicting. They didn't go before the Lord. They, they took it. As we would say today, they didn't bet it. They didn't find out about it. They didn't do a Google search on, on who these people are or where they come from. And, and so th this is going to be a problem. But yet, God's going to honor what they did. Verse 15. Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them leave, live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. So they had a handshake here. They had a covenant that Joshua said, we'll leave you alone. And, and they said, we'll be part of you. 
this wasn't unusual because who was the very famous lady that was integrated into Israel? Rahab. Rahab and her family. When they came out of Egypt, they came out with a host of people that weren't Israelites. They call them aliens. Has nothing to do with space travel. But anyway, they, they, they were there. Verse 16. And it came at the end of three days after they made a covenant with them that they heard they were neighbors and that they were living within their land. And the sons of Israel came out and came to their cities on the third day and their cities were Gibeon and three more there. Verse 18, the sons of Israel did not strike them because the leaders of the congregation had swore to them by the Lord, God of Israel, and the whole congregation grumbled against them. One commentator said that they didn't go to these cities. They didn't plunder them. And the congregation was probably upset that they didn't get part of the spoils. But that's, that was the situation. Now next week you're going to hear a little bit more about this situation. But they went there to these cities. And Israel didn't hit them. They didn't kill them. They didn't remove them. But all the leaders of the whole congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them. This we will do to them, even let them live, so that the wrath will not be upon us and the oath which we swore. Now, <clears throat> back to your sheet that I printed off for you. Deuteronomy 7, <clears throat> down at the bottom. When the Lord your God brings you into the land and gathers it to possess it and clears away many nations before you, the Hivites, the Jerusites, the, these people, seven nations greater than you. Verse 2, And when the Lord your God delivers them before you and defeats you then, them, then you shall utterly destroy them. Make no covenant with them, show no favor to them, Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give them your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will quickly destroy you. But thus you shall do to them. You shall tear down their altars, snatch their sacred pillars, hew down and burn their graven images. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people of my own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. So, had they come to Joshua and it says, we're from the tribe of the Hivites, H-I-V-I-T-E-S, what would Joshua have done? He would have, he would have, he would have, he would have hung them up from the yard arm, so to speak. He would have killed them. But they said, "We're from a long way off." And Joshua didn't go before the Lord to find out that they were tricking him. 
But I had a strange verse in here. It says, instead of going before the Lord, the, the men of Israel sampled their provisions yeah. to see if they were really old. There you go. They had some, they had some questions, as I, I said. They had, they had su su some suspicions. But at the same time, they, they weren't. So they pulled this trickery, and Joshua didn't go before the Lord, but he made a covenant with them. He says, okay, come on, we'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. And as we'll find out next week, they literally did. But, but this situation here, a promise is a promise is a promise, right? Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we, promises don't mean a whole lot anymore. You know, um, when we were kids, we might have said, you're an Indian giver, you know? You take back. But a promise is a promise. Now, God had told Joshua, I'll be with you everywhere you go. I'll take care of you. Every what you do, I'll bless you. And so although they didn't come before the Lord, Joshua made the oath, he made the agreement, they shook hands, and that was a done deal. We've talked about this in marriage before, that maybe, <clears throat> maybe a couple marries not totaling in the Lord's will. But once they say, I do, it's the Lord's will right then. It's good. That's where it needs to be. That's right. So, <clears throat> let's pick up and see what else happened here when they went on. Verse, verse 20. So we will do to them, even let them live, as some wrath will not be upon us for the oath which we have swore to them. And the leader said, let them live, so they may become hewers of wood, <coughs> and drawers of water for the whole congregation, just as the, the leaders had spoke to them. Now we use some metaphors, some words that mean other things. You're going to take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. <laughs> Did it really flow with milk and honey? That's an agricultural term. It was very good that the the fields and the valleys and the fertile, and it was it was right. They'd done they'd done what they needed to do to get the garden right, right, Cliff? That's right. So this was the land that road grows with milk and honey. So they said, here you're going to be drawers of water and hewers of wood. What did that mean? They were going to be hard work. they were going to be household servants and slaves. That's what they were going to be. Household servants and slaves. God kept his word. He kept his word. Turn, turn with me in your Bible, if you will, to, uh, let me find my notes. Well, what did I do here? Second uh, Samuel 8. Second Samuel 7, 8. <coughs> Through 16. 2nd Samuel. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel. 2nd Samuel 8. 8. 8. 
I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 21. <clears throat> Second Samuel twenty one. Okay. This was four hundred and thirty years after Joshua made the covenant with Gideon. Four hundred and thirty years later. Verse one. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David sought the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said, It is for Saul and his bloody house because he put the Gibeonites to death. They had a famine in the land, had three years. And David went before the Lord and said, Why? Why are we in this thing? And the Lord said, Saul did it. The Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments says, You know, honor your father and your mother. Be obedient to me. And if you are, I will bless you to the third and fourth generations to those that love me. But he also said to the third and fourth generations to those that hate me. I've told you before, that's a scary verse to me. I don't want to do anything that my kids and my great my grandkids and my great grandkids are going to have to suffer because of what I did. What I did. Saul did something that the whole nation suffered for. All right, verse 2. And the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Uh, <clears throat> and the sons of Israel made a covenant with them. But Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the sons of Israel. Verse 3. And David says, What should I do for you? And I, how can I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? 430 years later, God says that covenant is still good. That is still good. Israel, you honor it. So David had to come back and correct what Saul had messed up because he wasn't faithful to do what God told him to do. Okay, let's go back to let's go back to to uh, Joshua. <clears throat> Second Samuel seven. Second Samuel seven. I'm sorry, you were there, and I pulled you away. Second Samuel seven, <clears throat> beginning with verse eight. This is another covenant, but this time God made the covenant. Second Samuel seven, verse eight. 
2 Samuel 7, verse 8. All right, read verses 8 through 16 for me, please. 2 Samuel with eight. 7, verse 8 through 16. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Look at that last verse. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. What have we said? God's people are Israel. We've been grafted in. But His people are Israel. As Tim pointed out this morning. This morning, this was all for Fox News this morning. Israel issues a new warning to North Gaza residents ahead of a short temporary campaign. He didn't do what Joshua did spring up around the night. They dropped leaflets from the air and says, you've got 24 hours to get to safety because we're going to do something real quick and real sure. This is this morning. This is this morning. God's people are Israel. They have been and they will be. And until Jesus comes back, there will not be peace in the Middle East. I don't care what Henry, uh, what's his face? John Kerry or anybody else says. There will not be peace. We have always lined up on the side of Israel and God's help our administration if we don't continue to do so. Hamas, one of their people, this article says, has sent seven hundred rockets in the last week into Israel. And Israel is taking swift, accuracy, accurate strikes. And he's told them, he says, you've got till five o'clock this evening, our time, to get to safety. And then we're going to do what we said we were going to do. It's going to be quick and it's going to be sure. 
When God makes a promise, he keeps it. He doesn't, he doesn't throw it away. He says, that's, that's, this is the way it's going to be. 430 years later, he remembered what he had done to the... He brought back to David's memory what the, the, the covenant that he had made, the handshake that he had made, the agreement that he had made with the Gimeonites. And he says, it's because of what Saul did that you're not having harvest, that you're in a drought, that you need water. The Bible is true. And you can put it up against anything, anything, anything. <laughs> it's not what Fox News or CNN or anybody else thinks or says. It's what the Bible says. And if we think we're so smart to eliminate Israel, we are on dangerous, dangerous ground. That's Bill's commentary for this morning. <laughs> but it's it's. It comes right along. Now, Velta sent out this week uh, one of my favorite uh, program uh, websites. It's gotquestions.org. And it says, what is Israel rolling in times? Well, as this points out, this is just another tick on God's clock. I don't know that, that God's time is any closer than it was yesterday or it is just a day closer but <clears throat> I don't know when it's going to be. God didn't tell us. He says nobody knows. Jesus said he didn't know. Nobody but the Father knows. But one day Gabriel's going to step out and blow the horn and we're going to meet him in the air if we're, if we're ready and then that starts a whole lot and Israel is going to come back to the land and they're going to they're gonna be what God wants them to be, according to Ezekiel and other scripture. <clears throat> but he's, he's still on the throne. John 14. Go to John 14. <clears throat> As Art says, where is Jesus in this? Well, the Lord... The Lord's not, Peter said, he's not slack about his promises. And some men count slackness. A day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. But in John 14, beginning in verse 12. John 14, beginning in verse 12. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. Whatsoever you ask in my name, he will do so, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Skip down to verse chapter 15, verse 6. Uh, 7, excuse me, verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is the King of Glory speaking. He says, I promise. 
that I'm going to send you the comforter. And we've all that know him have felt the comforting presence of the Holy Spirit. When we can't, Hebrews says, when you don't know how to pray, he prays with groanings that can't even be uttered. We don't know what to say or how to say it. It's a promise. It's a promise. Early in that chapter, he says, I'm going to my Father. And he says, if you know me, if you know me, you'll go. I'm building you a dwelling place. And that's where we're going to be. God was true to his word and he was faithful when he told the Gibeonites, you know, okay, I believe your story and I'm going to take you in. And three days later, they found out it was a bald-faced lie. And Joshua said, what I have promised, I have promised. But you'll be a hewer of wood and a drawer of water. You'll be a household servant for my nation for the rest of the days. For the rest of the days. But we'll take care of you. As we see 430 years later, when Saul messed up, David said, why don't we have any water? He said, Saul did it because he killed the Gideonites. And David says, what can I do to make it right? What can I do to make it right? As we go through life, we have good intentions sometimes. And we mess up sometimes. But you know, the God of grace says, that's all right, son. I love you. And as we've said before, we don't have to worry about what we've asked forgiveness for because it's thrown in the sea of the Lord's forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us anymore. Now the devil comes back and says, oh, you remember. You tell it, devil, that's been forsaken. I've asked forgiveness for it. It's under the blood. Let's keep on going. The promises God made us will never, ever fail. They're covenants. And God's got a covenant with Israel. David says, God says, David, your kingdom will be forever. Your kingdom will be forever. The big stroke of that started in 1948 when there was no nation. They didn't have a boundary. They didn't have a territory. And the United Nations says, this is what it's going to be. And they went back to the Bible and they picked out most of the same territory that God had told them before. Now, the Arab says it's ours because we live here. The Jew says it's us, it's ours because God gave it to us. And I'm going to stand on the side of the Jews. I'm going to stand on the side of Israel. Well, enough of that this morning. Mike, blessings next week. And he'll pick up in the 10th chapter. There's a few more verses we could have talked about today, but they were a little bit more of the same. So come support Mike next week and we'll... 
we'll go from there. Anything else? Anything else? Okay. Father, we thank you for everything. We ask you that we go from this place and bless the further services, everything that's said, sung, done, prayed. We ask your blessings. And when we leave here today, we can say it's been good to be in God's house. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.